The way we consume and share news today, it is largely rooted in social media. Uh, that's the reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online. So for some of the hottest issues and trends, we're joined by Erica now. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> oh, man. So I think this was one of the biggest shocker uh, from the, the the month of December in uh, 2023. Now, uh, it seems that the Kyungbo Palace walls have been restored and unveiled to the public. And now we have an estimation of just how much that process cost. Yeah, uh, it's a lot, actually. Um, you know, you might think, oh, it's just graffiti. How, how just how Scrub much? Scrub it down. That- <laughs> cost right exactly yeah. but uh the the eight-day project to you know remove the graffiti restore the vandalized kyungbukung palace walls uh is estimated to cost 100 million won roughly seventy-six thousand us dollars mm. uh the cultural heritage administration shared its projection in a press conference yesterday all right so let's break down the cause and what this means for the suspects that have been caught i do think they're yeah. trying to set precedents right send a strong message of warning out there that there are consequences and a hefty fine if you are to damage damage a cultural heritage site. That's right. You have to take responsibility for your mm-hmm. actions. So fees for renting all the equipment and purchasing consumables took up roughly 21.5 million won. Uh, the rest of the money is all allocated to personnel expenses uh, for the 234 yeah. experts in total who were gathered and who worked on the restoration project. Uh, The Heritage Administration says that it's going to calculate the exact cost through an appraisal agency, and then it's going to demand compensation from the two suspects. Uh, Yesterday, the screens that were installed to cover the portions of the wall where the graffiti was, it was finally removed. The Gyeongbokgung Palace fully reopened to the public. Mm -hmm. It did. Now, uh, from from afar, it might look like the restoration is 100% completed, but uh, actually, 80% of the restoration work uh, has now been completed. There's still a little bit more work to be done. Uh, While most of the graffiti has been erased, there are still traces, if you look closely, of color left on the walls from the blue and red gray paint. The Heritage Administration is going to resume uh, restoring the walls come spring season after the cold season passes. Uh, It's going to check for any changes to the state of the walls as well. All right. Uh, So it turns out multiple cleaning methods like chemical and laser treatment were used to restore the walls. Not to mention, you said uh, uh, hundreds of personnel to work first day of the year, day in and day out. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we talked about it, uh, you know, in the previous uh, episode that, uh, you know, the cold weather really affects 
tests, you know, the cleaning process, right? So apparently the experts took into consideration the condition and the structure of each stone uh, that was affected by the vandalism. So uh, while restoring the graffitied walls of Gyeongbokgung Palace, the Cultural Heritage Administration said it also found additional scribbles uh, that were made by pen and other sharp objects at several other uh, cultural heritage sites, including the four other Joseon palaces mm. in Seoul, uh, as well as inside the Jongmyo Shrine and the royal tombs of the Joseon dynasty. So it said it's going to also restore those sites and uh, it's going to uh, adopt further comprehensive measures to prevent similar incidents from happening again in the future. I mean, we're talking about policies uh, so that uh, someone who vandalizes would need to be held responsible literally financially, right, with bigger consequences, but also amping up security, for example, might be another option. So what exactly yeah. is part of the plan? I mean, you mentioned it, right? right. Uh, the planned measures include reviewing the current monitoring system for okay. any flaws. Uh, they also include installing 110 more surveillance cameras across Seoul's major cultural assets by next year. And it also plans to increase the number of people who monitor the cameras and uh, heritage sites as well. I know this is probably a big infringement on privacy, so you can't do it. But all I just want to do is shame these people. It's it's incredibly yeah. insensitive. I don't even know what would lead you to do such a damage. Just I know. So, hmm. so one of the things that the Cultural Heritage Administration plans to do is educate the public. <laughs> <laughs> should never uh, happen again in the future. Oh, stay the obvious, but sometimes the obvious yeah. needs to be stated. How about that? All right. All right, let's move on to our second buzzword of the day. Now, things that just were once part of movies, fiction, <laughs> it's realized and so near in our future that it's kind of mind-boggling. Uh, Chinese astronauts apparently enjoyed an abundant meal prepared with, get this, space-grown vegetables. That's right, to ring in the new year. <laughs> So, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners have seen the 2015 film The Martian, uh, you know, the the astronaut, the, the protagonist was portrayed by Matt Damon. You know, he's stranded alone on Mars. Mm -hmm. And in order to survive, he has to get really creative and uh, use all the knowledge that he has. And he generates water and oxygen through chemical reactions. And he ends up cultivating potatoes using Martian soil and, well, his own poop. And now everyone is all caught up. Yeah. <laughs> it was fictitious and it was fascinating and it made us dream about, is that future really near? Is that possible? Now, of course, a lot is possible in theory. Now, to put it in practice, to make it affordable, to make it yeah. within reach, like those are different sets of questions. Now you're saying something similar is happening on board the Chinese space station. Yeah, so Chinese astronauts are cultivating various edible plants mm -hmm. in space. So according to China's Central Television, astronauts aboard China's independent space station, Tiangong, uh, recently shared a vlog that showcased their everyday life, including their horticultural endeavors. <laughs> and in this seven-minute, 26-second long video, uh, this one astronaut is seen tending to various plants. Uh, he's seen holding a small brush for artificial pollination. And, you know, he says, I'm pollinating the cherry tomatoes since there are no bees in space. I'm 
the bee. Uh, the video shows these uh, cherry tomatoes, green and red cherry tomatoes, thriving in the pots. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the astronauts share glimpses of their living quarters and uh, also the menu that they'll be eating. <laughs> uh, the menu is made up of uh, pork ribs, fried rice, and dumplings, and of course. All the the produce that they grow on board the space station will be utilized to create these delicious dishes. I mean, um, pork ribs and fried rice sound much more simple to me than dumplings. Yeah. I, I mean, right? Oh, dumplings—they're so time-consuming. I, I can't believe that they're actually making dumplings. <laughs> Do you think they have a little bit more time on the space station? Did I just say that? Like, I don't perhaps, know. Perhaps the downtime. They do have the time, but I, I'm imagining the process is incredibly difficult. They'll be floating. There's there's no gravity <laughs> up there, you know. <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for them to release a video of the dumpling making process. That sounds fascinating. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now I've seen it all. You can grow veggies in space and make yeah. food from the veggies you've grown in space. Now for our <laughs> last story, I think this always fascinates us: machine versus human, human versus machine. Can we outsmart them? It turns out one American teen apparently became the first to beat this unbeatable Tetris by breaking it. Yeah. You know, it's Tetris, right? Yeah. It's been 34 years since the game was released back in 1984. Now, this uh, American teenager from Oklahoma, his name is Willis Gibson. He posted a video on his YouTube channel of the moment he reached level 157, which until now everybody thought was impossible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happens when one reaches level one fifty seven? Yeah, well, it appears according to the video, the score causes the game to crash. Basically, those blocks, you know, basically stop falling Ooh. down. Uh, and uh, the thirteen-year-old, he's like super excited. He's like, "I'm going to pass out. I can't feel my fingers anymore." It took him a total of 38 minutes to beat the game. Now, until a few years ago, players believed it was only possible to play up to level 29. He reached 157, which is amazing, right? <laughs> uh, anyways, and uh, well, now that people know that this can be achieved, other gamers are now trying to beat. The 13-year-olds' records, and of course, many are documenting their attempts on social media and video streaming websites, including YouTube. I think it was the saying went at once upon a time, pictures or it didn't happen, yeah. and now you have to take videos of it to <laughs> prove right. that you essentially beat this unbeatable game. I presume yeah, when you say um, when you talk about kill screen, for example, you're uh-huh. talking about that level which causes the game to crash, right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, on the screen, uh, the, the the teenager screen basically crashes. And blocks no longer come down right. as he beats the game, and you know he's competed in several gaming tournaments. He's won several as well, but uh, he's definitely going to go down in history as the first person, human, to beat the unbeatable Tetris. <laughs> I don't know why it's so satisfying because I'm not Mr. Willis Gibson, but it's like it's like one for Team Humans.、Uh, we outsmarted you, machine. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> a glorious day. Thank you very much, Erica. Have a great weekend.、Oh, sure. We'll see you next week. Bye. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.